Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Why it matters. Money FM 89.3. It is the evening runway. Elliot Dank and Timothy Go and Chuan Tian with you. Time now for Why It Matters. Now, here in Southeast Asia, there is a bit of a stark reality. 62% of deaths result from non-communicable diseases or NCDs, with over 50% affecting those under the age of 70, contributing significantly to premature mortality. Well, couple that with anticipated doubling in the aging populations from 630 million people in 2020 to 1.3 billion by the year 2050. Uh, the need for urgent intervention is undeniable in the region. Did you do a mental calculation how old you'll be in the year 2050? I did. <laughs> 2050 is how many more years from now? About 45 25, years. 26 26 years from now, there you go. I've done the calculation for you. I'll be in my 70s. <laughs> okay, so the challenge is a bit more multifaceted. I mean, especially in countries like Singapore, healthcare systems are grappling with personnel shortages. You've got hospital bed crunches. You've got overwhelming workloads for medical professionals. So what's the solution here? Well, the question becomes, can we effectively curb chronic illness and premature mortality? Let's find out a little bit more about that and the next frontier in healthcare innovation. BJ Singh, Global Head Business Unit Healthcare for DKSH is on the line. DKSH is a healthcare distribution services company. BJ, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great, Elliot. How are you? Very good, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time. Okay, VJ, let's talk about the medical challenge everyone is facing, the globe is facing, not just Southeast Asia, in fact. So we are seeing a rise of chronic diseases, but we're also seeing, you know, people living longer because of the advancements of medical technology, and yet we have a shortage of people who are working in the medical sector. How do we address all of this? Yeah, it's a multifaceted thing, isn't it? You know, I think the main thing is looking after your health. A lot of it is behavioral challenges that we all face. You know, we we have a much more sedentary lifestyle. We are, though, very well informed. And it's a matter of, you know, how do we get access to healthcare? Unfortunately, a lot of people don't have great access to healthcare outside of Singapore. Apart from that, BJ, are there other lesser known factors? I mean, you mentioned the solution really is taking care of your health. I'm wondering if people care enough about their diets and to exercise often enough. Yeah, clearly, uh, you know, that's not the case. I think, you know, as we adjust our lifestyles, we become busier, it's easier to eat fast food. So really, you do have to put a lot more emphasis and effort into behavioral changes, as I said. Okay, so um, when it comes to the demands for health care, what are you seeing as this sector evolves? So we're seeing that access to primary health care is critical. Mm-hmm. Probably 90% of health care demands and issues can be resolved at a primary care level. So getting that access is important. Unfortunately, in many, many countries, you know, there's only a physician to population ratio of less than 10 doctors to 10,000 people. So essentially, that's one doctor to 1,000 people. Makes it very, very hard to get access to healthcare. And if we're looking at another issue, which is aging population, chronic diseases, are we also seeing a, an issue with regard to aging doctor population? That's a very good point. I think, though, we are getting more younger and female doctors in, but you're absolutely right. There just is not enough doctors Mm. to go around. 
Vijay, where do machines come in? I'm pretty sure we have advanced so much in terms of uh, medical equipment out there that some, you know, we can even use ourselves at home to monitor our own vitals. We see a huge rise in medical devices. I mean, if we look at the growth, it's really growing double digit. And you've got a tremendous use of these medical devices at an at-home setting. And we saw this during COVID. Devices such as uh, blood pressure monitors, glucometers, which are used to measure you know, your blood sugar, uh, and then simple devices like thermometers and pulse optometers. And then, you know, just your phone. You see a lot more people now using their phone and their, and their watch as fitness trackers. Mm. To follow up on that, and just as a point of clarification, BJ, the use of devices, does that count to reshaping healthcare delivery? Is it all about the devices? I think it's going to become more and more important there. Why is you start to see a lot of devices that are connected devices. Mm -hmm. And these connected devices allow, you know, remote tracking so that when you go in and see your doctor, they're already able to see all of the vital signs that we just talked about, you know, your blood pressure, your glucose level. So, you know, there's a device that's launched in Singapore recently called a Dexcom, uh, Dexcom, sorry, G6 continuous glucose monitoring system. It's one that we distribute and it allows for this real-time monitoring fitted with wearable sensor sensors. It's got a transmitter for the measurement of these values. It's, it's amazing. The other thing about uh, medical devices, EJ, that we are using at home on our own is, for one thing, the accuracy of it. And then are we very sure that everyone is using it the way it should be? Are we placing mm-hmm. it in the right place? I mean, I've seen older people, for example, using blood pressure monitors, but not really doing it properly. That's a great question. I think education continues to be a critical area. You start to see, though, you know, much more regulatory oversight into these devices. And you see that the level of accuracy of these devices is tremendous. I mean, I went in recently to my doctor and uh, talked to them about, you know, uh, calibrating my device. And mm-hmm. they, they ask you to bring your home device in for your blood pressure and they calibrate it for you. So there is a lot of effort in the medical community to make sure that, uh, one, the devices are better, and two, that they're regularly checked. But there's nothing like once in a while going in to see your healthcare professional and getting them measured, you know, over there. But you just don't need to do it as frequently as you did before. BJ, your opinion on this. The medical sector is becoming so hybrid, it's a cross between medicine and technology. Technologists may be perhaps a way to uh, help deal with the shortage of doctors. Technology, a way to deal with the shortage of doctors. And let's get all of the doctors to specialize in being surgeons instead. <laughs> I think there's quite a difference in, uh, in the specialty that you need. But I think the point that you're making on technology is a tremendous one. I mean, you look at the level of the reviews and x-rays now that, that can be done remotely, and you look at what artificial intelligence will be able to provide you and the degree to which you can leverage that in terms of diagnosis. I mean, I think we're going to see a very different world in five years, ten years than we, we see today. But again, you know, when when you detect all the problems or upcoming problems uh, from a person, um, are there enough medical advancements to actually slow things down if somebody has a disorder? Oh, tremendously. I mean, you look at the treatment of cancer today. Uh, When I started in this industry, I don't want to tell you how long ago, (laughs) uh, several, you know, several cancers were essentially a death sentence. 
Mm-hmm. And today, you know, you have yeah, you have amazing technology which allows you not only to extend life, but essentially, you know, you get a complete response. Uh, so that's just one. And then, you know, you look at hepatitis. In many cases, that's a curable disease now. So uh, given that and, and, and how you've got that oversight on and so much of an oversight on the medical devices sector, if I was interested in, in going in, uh, what are some of the opportunities there right now where, where medical devices are concerned? So, you know, medical devices are a very big industry. It's, it's expected to be over $150 billion by 2028, and it covers everything from very simple eye drops, which is also considered a medical device, all the way up to, you know, huge machines, uh, MRI machines. So I think you actually see a huge growth, mainly because of what you said, Delton. It's that there's a huge aging population. As you age, you get more and more diseases or comorbidities, you know, a lot of desire for detection. There's a lot of desire for treatment. And medical devices can do all of those things. They can diagnose, they can treat, you know, so there's tremendous areas and tremendous pockets in this huge, huge category called medical devices. All right. So as we can see, you know, innovation in this segment and as we see more people also joining the senior citizen population, what are the projections looking forward then? Tremendous growth. I mean, especially here in Asia, as you start to see increased uh, increased affordability and increased affluence mm-hmm. one of the things people look for is to get access to better quality health care you also see governments realizing that they need to invest in their population and therefore you know are providing much wider access countries such as indonesia thailand etc in the last 20 years have actually you know provided universal health care that's going to provide huge huge opportunities for, for all levels, private health care for those who can afford, universal health care for those who can't. And would collaboration cut the time for these opportunities to, to be fulfilled? I think so. I mean, I think there's lots of interest and lots of openings for public-private partnerships, mm. cross-border and industry, lots of opportunities to you know share knowledge and expertise. We've seen this firsthand through our partnerships in the region, where we've provided, you know, companies with regulatory commercialization advice to help them, you know, distribute their products across borders here. So definitely lots of opportunities for collaboration as different players have different expertise. Should be quite interesting to see this sector grow. We've been speaking with BJ Singh, who is Global Head Business Unit Healthcare at DKSH. BJ, appreciate your time today. Take care and have a great Thursday ahead. Thanks you as well. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.